Welcome to the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast, part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network, where we put the power of dynamic fitness back in your hands one mental rep at a time. Effective thinking for potent fitness. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, Gigi. Welcome to Think Fit, Be Fit. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. Feels like it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, we have a special episode today. It's our season five recap. That's I'm excited right. to look back and reflect and share some of the fun stuff about this, you know, what was going on this behind the scenes, behind the conversations. This yeah, season. <laughs> I agree. And you know what I like about these episodes, Jen, is that it gives me a reason to re-listen to the podcasts and also typically you know, I listen to the podcasts when they come out and then it's a week or whatever the, the the next episode comes out. So it's rare that I listen to them like I might binge a Netflix series where mm-hmm. I watch them all together. And so when we do these, whether it's my podcast, Fitness for Consumption, or or your podcast, Think Fit, Be Fit, it's rare that I listen to them in sort of like binge format un- until there's one of these episodes because I want to hear it and then I want to take some notes. Um, so, you know, we've spoken a lot on the podcast. We speak a lot in our personal lives about this idea of a biopsychosocial mm. approach to, you know, whatever it is we do, health and fitness, I guess, for lack of a, a better term. Mm. But the biopsychosocial approach, again, is looking at how all these things intersect, the biology, your psychology, the environment in which all the stuff takes place and how they intersect and all affect each other. So when I binged this season, I felt that, you know, I really felt proud that uh, you did a great job in having a pretty wide spectrum of people that if you're just scanning the titles you might be like all right a dentist like i'm I'm a fitness guy like what is it but i promise you there's something there's something in there for you so like all the threads really do come together so much so to celebrate this episode i invented a word at least i think i did okay what are we i don't know if the world is ready for it but here we go active what is it active active P-A-C-T-I-V-E. Pactive. Pactive. Okay. So, and the the word is that after listening to all these episodes, you know, again, what was on my mind was, especially from a biopsychosocial perspective, you know, Hillary Clinton once wrote a book a long time ago, It Takes a Village, and it was about like, you know, raising a, a human being, but... Mm. The truth is it it takes a village to raise yourself and to keep mm-hmm. yourself healthy. And, and by raising by taking a village, I mean it takes you gotta try to pull from every from nutrition, from psychology, from just anything and everything that can be helpful, you gotta try to pull from. So there's a bunch of passive ways of you know helping yourself, mm-hmm. which is something like. I don't know, maybe just sitting on a couch and watching a TV show you like. And then there's really, really active ways, which which might be like a very focused uh, muscle activation, uh, isometric exercise. And then Pactive is, is mm-hmm. this stuff that's in between. And this season we got into a lot. So to me, like taking mm. psilocybin, 
which we'll talk about with one of the guests we had is somewhere in between. It's not passive because you, you know, you're, you're part of it, you're experiencing it, but it's not exactly active either. And some of the things we spoke about with and say, and and say, um, mm-hmm. and, or some of the things you spoke about and some of the things that we were covered on the neuro peak episode with sleep. So there's a nice, reasonable honking middle section this pactive place where these interventions aren't necessarily totally active they're beyond what i would consider passive Mm. they're right in the middle and then again is you gotta takes a village you gotta pull in anything and everything that's useful yeah and it takes a self-imposed um interest and curiosity to be pactive it does yeah yeah that's cool thank you well hopefully you know (laughs) The my interest in doing a podcast and this podcast and building a network is to do something meaningful that's not just screaming into the abyss because a lot of that's already out there and mm. quite frankly there's a lot of good stuff out there too like Dr. Mm-hmm. Huberman and um, I'm blanking on his name but Peter Tia mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of quality stuff but you know there's still room for people that would be under the radar, you know, they tend to have a lot of the same guests you see on a lot of podcasts or, you know, who their particular colleagues are. Yeah, it's like one wedding invite, you know. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's like like, you go around the different tables. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like Joe Rogan is the son and then they're (laughs) like the planet. But like, you know, it's like the same handful of guests. And look, they're all worthy and they're all a lot of great stuff. And thankfully, this is all free stuff and should be taken advantage of. But I I feel, um, you know, again, these episodes and listening to everything in a binge like this uh, helps me sleep better at night. And, uh, you know, subtle hint to what we'll be talking about soon. Yeah. Um, That, you know, we're, we're also providing meaningful information and practical tools and exposing people to, um, you know, people that are not on the, the, wedding wedding podcast circuit so wedding podcast yes yeah all all that being said yeah let's get into it well first of all you know thanks for your help and your support in putting together this season so i think it it's a good time to say like you were saying we and it makes sense to me because you were really working behind the scenes on this season So I'd like to just take a quick like 10 seconds and give an intro of who you are to think fit, be fit guest. Especially if they're new within the last like five months, they're not going to know really who you are. (laughs) That is true. So my name is Gregory Gordon. I'm the owner of Exercise Intelligence, which is a multidisciplinary neuromuscular clinic. Um, say that five times fast in mm-hmm. New York City. Um, so that's my day job. And then I'm also a podcaster. I have a partner, Dr. Paul Juris, and we do a podcast on the Think Fit Be Fit Network called Fitness for Consumption. Mm-hmm. We're currently taking a little break and sort of crystallizing where we want to go next, but we will have new content coming out relatively soon. And then for your podcast, Jen, I've started working more in a production capacity, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, coming up with ideas of guests or shows and just kind of we talk back and forth about ideas and and content that we'd like to cover. So that uh, 
that's me. Yeah, that's it. That is, well, it's like I've said, it's a pleasure having you in this capacity and thanks for binging. I, (laughs) I, you know, to have well-rounded and fun and thoughtful information, free content out here, helping people make better decisions about their health and fitness. It means a lot. And I just thank you for listening and everyone else that has listened. And I hope you get some good information from what we're about to share, which is the recap of each episode. That's eight episodes in total. And we're going to share a summary, a clip, my afterthoughts, reflections, uh, anything I'd like change, you know, what, what Mm -hmm. falls on the, the, what, what I reflect on after listening to these things. And if our guests have any, you know, cool feedback, we might get a little bit into that as well. So yes, let's get started. The overall season was about self-care. As I mentioned so many times, as you mentioned about five minutes ago, that like we're looking at this, the model of self-improvement as a village or as looking at all the silos of taking care of ourselves. And so fitness is an obvious one to anybody who clicked on Think Fit, Be Fit podcast. But I really thought it was going to be fun and informational to share all the other silos. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of touch on what those are and maybe a little bit about that. But so we have the first of the season and I spoke to a gentleman, Callan McGibbon. He's a strength coach, co-founder of Rep Performance, and that is a program that helps teachers, school teachers, build cohesive fit ed departments in schools, not just like activities or classes. This was like a full program and and then some. So let's just get to that clip because I've got so much to share on this one. Also, I'm a co-founder of a fitness technology company that provides software to phys ed to help mm-hmm. individualize the phys ed experience for kids. And that's been kind of my last like three years or four years. That's been kind of where I've been shifting all of my time. Mm-hmm. And it's more uh, like an impact thing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I've been, I see how elite athletics is inspiring Mm-hmm. And and people watch it, and we get motivated by it. it's entertainment. And I think there's a piece of it that pulls us towards the idea of being healthy. But at the same time, it's a very unattainable thing mm-hmm. uh, unless you have the genetic makeup to actually be there. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do something that had like a larger impact, mm-hmm. where I could take some of the skills and and systems and processes that I knew worked and put them to place where they would help more people. So education was obviously the spot where I focused because that removes every different, every barrier to entry, right? Like no matter what a family's demographic is, they go to school, they take part in phys ed. And if you really want to make a massive impact in your country or, you know, in the world, attacking phys ed is really the way to do it. So mm. that became kind of a focus point is try to impact more people. 
Yeah, well, I'm definitely here for that. <laughs> I, I feel excited to be able to help you build that platform by just having this conversation. Okay, I don't have to add much to that last comment, I don't mm-hmm. think, about my enthusiasm for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I was mostly excited to kick off the season with this one. And I really wanted to embrace the big picture of change of our self-care mentality. And I, you, me, guests, we talk about helping professional athletes. He talks about it. Um, He has experience with training NHL players. And we just like both agreed that a hearty, resilient relationship with exercise comes from an intrinsic, a positive learning response and a learning experience that lasts years, not one week. And Callan's actually doing this internationally with his software and app with school-age children of all backgrounds and sport experience. So I yeah, I can't I I can't wait to just help him in any capacity I can because that's just like wow. Yeah. So my notes on this were uh I think it's maybe even just a few seconds right after that clip ends is where he's finishing up on the thread of I, and I totally agree with everything he says in there that, you know, in our world, a lot of people are really, uh, whether they're fitness professionals or they're just lay people that are going to the gym, they are really inspired by, you know, what LeBron James might be doing and mm-hmm. like these video posts. And the truth is like, we don't want to diminish that, like whatever gets someone into the gym, but also at his same point, um, First of all, training like LeBron James, there, there's a whole other discussion about what these guys are doing and how effective it is for even their goals. But the the larger point is that, you know, to to minimize your training or focus only to, towards that of mimicking professional athletes is, you know, the, the idea that you're going to do that and become a professional athlete is highly unattainable. So what he talks about a little bit later is that like just trying to find avenues to get people to fall in love with movement mm-hmm. at a really young age. And let me tell you, man, the hairs on my arms stood up when he said that because <laughs> I couldn't agree more um, because you I work with a decent amount of people that I would say are um, over the age of 75. And a lot of them that never fell in love with movement, they are really suffering the consequences of it now. Um, and the, thankfully the body has some degree of adaptability at any age, but if you can just fall in love with movement, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like, not, um, keeping it so narrow that it's only that of what looks like professional athletes are doing. What, if it's dancing, rollers, anything, just finding some way to fall in love with movement at a young age. Um, you know, I really think that is one of one of the you know a lot of times i like when i'm just walking down new york city and having these random conversations with myself <laughs> i'll be like what the hell what am i doing with my life what did i do like you know i should have done something serious with my life i'm basically oh, like a glorified <laughs> personal trainer but at the end of the day honestly when i work with people that are at any age but like it it particularly hits me when i work with some of my older clients is that 
I, I argue, tell me what is more important when you're 75 and you just don't have the strength to get up out of a chair and walk mm. with like a high degree of confidence from your couch to your refrigerator. Tell me what's more important than building strength and, and helping people move. So yeah. yeah, I, that's, that's what really resonated with me. I couldn't agree with him more. Very excited to hear that he's doing something to help install these programs and have a way of helping people just focus on that message just mm -hmm. whatever ki gets kids moving the, uh, yeah the, yeah focus on the most productive message possible which is reward learn respond you know not forcing it down their throat not creating weird toxic environments it's amazing so um i think i really liked this as the first episode and as an episode in general, because it hits the social factor, the psychological factor, the emotional factor, mental factor, um, environmental factor of hearty, <laughs> good relationship with exercise. I like the word hearty for saying, yeah, for with purpose. a hearty relationship with exercise. It's I not... always think of, uh, <laughs> there was a soup commercial that out of there's, I always think of soup when I hear hearty, but I, it <laughs> oh, works. Of course, I like of it. course yeah. Uh, so, uh, let's move on to number two. All right. I talk with my new friend, Dr. Ali Navidi, Ali Navidi. He's a licensed clinical psychologist who's doing some amazing stuff with GI disorders, gastrointestinal disorders. So patients with those, he helps a lot. In fact, his practice is called like GI psychology. And... and if I may interrupt you for a second, how did you guys connect? Because I'm not. I don't he know works uh, with Jen, our oh, physical okay. therapist friend, uh, on a professional level with clients and pain science and hypnosis and science mm -hmm. uh, and science and pain. So, yeah. So I talked to him. Um, we had so much to talk about, and we ended up narrowing it down to you know, the really the connection between mental health and digestive health, this has some impact to your fitness. I, I think it's pretty obvious, but uh, let's just get into that after the clip here. Let's do it. Yep. That was really fascinating because it wasn't just a placebo. It was, I forget the correct term for it. It was an, it was an open placebo, meaning they told people that they were going to give them a placebo. They didn't, they didn't deceive them. <laughs> they said, we're going to give you this you know, substance, it has no medicinal value, but we think it's going to help your IBS. Take it. And people mm -hmm. would take it and they would get better. And so um, finally, what they've done is they used to call IBS a functional disorder, meaning mm -hmm. we can't find anything wrong with your body. There's a problem with how everything's working together. But now they changed it. They changed the name to something much better. They call it now a disorder of gut brain mm. interaction, mm. which puts it right up front. We know exactly what the problem is. The brain and the gut are not getting along. They're not communicating well. And if we can get them to communicate better, the problem goes away. Oh man. Yeah. The communication piece like that. Yeah. That's something I don't hear about too often in like this, like functional medicine, you know, space about like improving the communication versus like, we have to take these supplements to do it. We have to do it this way. We have to do it this way. And it doesn't have anything to do with the actual 
you know, conscious mind. So that, or subconscious mind, that's really interesting to think about. So why don't we move on over to subconscious (laughs) mind? (laughs) That's a small topic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just in a couple minutes, we can cover that. No problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. But uh, think fit, be fit listeners. If you want to hear more about functional GI health and psychology, clap at us, clap back. We'll have Dr. Ali back. Okay. And I mean that. If this is something that interests you all, uh, please let us know because I would love to talk about that subject all day long. I think it's fascinating. I think it's just such a cool thing to ponder about how connected our gut is to other parts of the body and our our reality and our perception and all kinds. It's just interesting. I have so many things to say. I, uh, of course, I had a really good time. If anybody listened to this episode, I think you all were like, well, she's having too much fun talking about this (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Um, so I think, and I also think it was like the bare minimum of things I'm excited about because the subconscious mind is something I think about often. I've had, I've been the recipient of a lot of hypnosis treatments for, uh, my own self-care for, since for 10 years, I used it maybe longer ago, uh, for the first time. So I think, you know, to talk about the mind influencing performance is just fascinating. So I'd obviously love to have him back. And the clip in particular, back to the beginning of that clip, it covers this interesting point in health psychology about the power of the placebo on IBS. And it was, I think it like, that was like a real turning point for the reality of lifestyle intervention as we know it for various medical conditions. So that's an interesting piece. And then in terms of self-care, I think the placebo effect is one of the most important things for self-care, because if you believe it's going to work, the chances of it helping you are much more higher. And I, you know, and I'll get into a little bit more about discernment and my, what I've gone through for the past like 15, 20 years with my body and self-care, because I do mention that a lot. And um, so I'll, I'll circle back to that. But in terms of self-care, this placebo effect thing is pretty interesting topic. Yeah, so much so. Like, I think we probably, I'm not even sure if he mentioned it, but we probably need a new term for placebo effect because, mm. again, it's been sort of I don't know, maybe hijacked isn't the right word for that, but as I've gotten older and hopefully wiser as a clinician, you know, I'm so much less, not that I'm not concerned at all, but I'm so much less concerned about um, how something works than whether or not if it works. So <laughs> nice my mind yeah. is so <laughs> much more open to just what provides a positive outcome for someone. And 10 years ago, if someone would have walked in my clinic and said, well, you know, I have this crazy pain, but I do this tapping exercise. And then it goes like, I would have been like, all right. And then I would, but in my mind, I would have been like, all right, let me, you know, do all my assessments. I'm going to find the weak muscles. And look, both of those can be true. And the only issue that I have with quote unquote placebo is that, Ideally, you want to try to find something that's reproducible, Mm. if not even for that 
individual, but for people across the board. So sometimes if like rubbing a bay leaf on your forehead reduces pain for this one person, if you try it on 10 other people and it doesn't work. So that's the only issue about a placebo Mm -hmm. and like how effective is it? Like what's it, what is its effect size? But Mm -hmm. no matter what, I couldn't agree more that like whatever helps someone to to believe in a treatment, to change their, again, talking about this bio, change their psychology about honestly where their conscious and subconscious attention is going to in terms of pain or something else. Anything that can shift that in a positive direction should be used especially if there's very little risk. When I listened to the episode, so my notes were a few minutes after that, he started going down the pathway of talking about hypnosis. Mm -hmm. And I've got to be honest, this was a learning moment for me because I've had hypnosis. And frankly, I didn't have a good experience. And I'm not proud to say it, but after I had it in my mind, I sort of checked that box, put it in the file of like stuff that doesn't that might be cool but doesn't work for me and i just had a sort of like a very limited way of thinking about it but hearing him walk through it in terms of like taking someone you know you can have um i don't want to well don't spoil it (laughs) (laughs) well i don't want to talk too much about my personal life here but i'm (laughs) single and i date a lot and it's not uncommon for me to say to someone so what are you looking for you know what are and I just find it interesting that almost no one can ever say I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. People always start with, well, I don't want and all the stuff they list from their ex or this or that. And it's just a human condition thing that like, so the reason I'm bringing this up is that when you, so when you're conscious and you're talking about some issue, it could be GI gut health, it could be something else, but you have an issue and you're talking through with your conscious mind, your conscious mind tries to trap you into thinking in certain ways and box you in. And sometimes it takes, maybe it's uh, psychedelics, maybe it's, or maybe it's hypnosis where you can experience something where you've got a little bit less control of how you're steering it and go through an experience, which is the way he was describing how he uses it. And I didn't bring it up in my intro, but, you know, my background is in motor learning and control. And there's something we talk about in pain science and motor control, which is the power of motor imagery. So there's mental imagery, which is like picture yourself on a beach drinking a cocktail. And then there's motor imagery, which is, okay, think about extending your right knee. Okay, does it hurt? No? Okay, like being very specific about motor imagery. And what's very interesting about motor imagery is that you light up a lot of the pre-motor areas and motor areas in your brain that you would when you're doing the real motion. You're just not sending the final signal down to the spinal cord, but it's real. It's Mm. really real. It Mm. really can affect, like, if you do nothing else but motor imagery, you can um, improve muscle function. Mm. So I never thought of hypnosis like that, but, Mm. like, Going through hypnosis, taking a little bit of conscious control off, walking, having an experience of -hmm. you changing the way you handle a certain situation, whether it be gut health or anything else. Mm -hmm. And then having that experience in your subconscious conscious mind somewhere is extremely powerful. So I was this episode really for me um, really was a learning experience. Very good. 
I'm so happy to hear that. I that's yeah. I I but I also think I, a lot of people may have had that experience with you as well, because clinical hypnosis is not something that. Oh yeah, good point to bring up. Brings up like exciting emotions for a lot of people. Like it's not something that's sexy or exciting and. It, you know, it's helped me a ton with anxiety and sleep and, oh man, through my divorce, it was so helpful. Like, I yeah, just for several, I've used it in several phases of my life. So I'm, and, and that's, you know, that was the reason why I wanted to have him on for this season, obviously, because it was something I've been using for a long time and I needed to touch base with it. and help other people understand uh just a little bit a little bit more and i think we achieved that so yeah yay. and i think it's good that you bring up i forgot to mention that he made a distinction to call that clinical hypnosis versus kind of like mm -hmm. what we see on tv which mm -hmm. is uh whatever like the hypnosis where like you're gonna wake up and quack like a duck and like that's not clinical hypnosis that's mm -mm. clown show hypnosis <laughs> yeah that's not what he's doing. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm ready to talk about number three. Let's do it. Okay. This is, um, I, I went to the opposite side of the mental health spectrum with this one, with a nutritionist who helps individuals with mental health transitions and mental health, you know, management all and healing, you know, I think she brought up a really interesting point about healing in this space versus just managing. I, I thought that was that that kind of opened up my eyes. So we talk about, you know, what that means in terms of a very real life situation that I've had, which is called burnout. And so we talk about that kind of stuff um there i mean we touched on a lot of stuff but really about the importance of looking internally from this nutrition point of view and also like why the body is dysregulated and that was that's really the focus of her practice and i just thought it was just really interesting to have someone very qualified in nutrition also talk about mental health and yeah Awesome. Uh, I just thought it was just a really different way of approaching it. So here we go. Because it's life and we're humans and stuff is always happening. Wonderful things are always happening and hard things mm -hmm. are always going to happen as well. And so my goal with someone is not to feel like they are fixed or cured from anxiety, depression, or burnout, but to understand that these are not things to necessarily be afraid of. These aren't mm. things that are necessarily inherently bad. I have learned to see these things, these symptoms, these clusters of symptoms, which can have so many different causes. There are so many different causes of depression. That's not, you know, just a what most people deem as like a chemical imbalance or a slow serotonin issue. But there's so many causes. And Ultimately, I see these as messages from our body to mm -hmm. ourselves. Like something is not aligned. Something is off. Maybe that's something in our life that we're not living authentically aligned to. I, like I've experienced depression for multiple reasons. One of the first reasons was just overworking myself, 
really caused by burnout, caused by multiple causes of stress. All right. A couple key words there. We use gut health. We used burnout, overworking. So I think a lot of people are going to like find something interesting about this episode. But I will say I wanted to get deeper on some topics with her. And we just touched on a lot of things. And it was one of those episodes where I have no idea where my like, like focus or consciousness went. Like I was just totally engaged and totally into it. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly, it's the blessing and the curse of being a podcaster behind yeah. the scenes because, of course, you want to just have like, you know, organic, spontaneous, interesting conversation. B, yeah, we tend to book guests that like will facilitate that, but there's some sort of like kind of professional responsibility that we want to try to like go through these points so like we can highlight a bunch of different things that are uh, interesting about a person. But you know what? There's always, that's why we can always bring people back. So Mm -hmm. what would I also say about this? I think I really empathize with the burnout theme that she mentioned I've had various versions of burnout and I think it will relate to, I think that will relate to a lot of people who are so focused on their exercise that they don't see the bigger picture of biopsychosocial and what that means in their environment and things like that. So I thought that was a a good one to include in, in for that context. And I, I, you know, I really did want to talk about nutrition a little bit more, <laughs> but sorry, guys. So we'll, we might do it again. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I personally would have liked to ask more questions about the science behind all this, but the broad direction is not something I regret. I still think it was, it's an important conversation and distinct from the common thought process of fitness, nutrition, and uh, some of the most baseline benefits we get from well-rounded exercise and nutrition program, which is a really nice boost to our mental health. And, you know, a lot of people haven't been introduced to the idea that mental health can have a nutritional biological component and a strategy behind it as well. So, yeah, there's a lot in that episode. And I think it's just, it was one of the more popular episodes. And so for that reason, there's, so I just gave us four reasons to invite her back as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I would say, again, I agree with everything you're saying. And then, Jen, when you and I once worked on a project for writing a chapter in a fitness program about incorporating exercise into lifestyle management, you know, we would just talk all the time about like, exercise is so effective like you forget about it like because it's it's like it's so in front of your face like you just take it for granted and the same that's exactly how i feel about nutrition when it comes to mental health that like before you know diving into whatever type of you know medications or more you know sophisticated interventions that might be like just even considering you know, what you're eating and how that is an effect on your mental health is like, to me, it's so obvious, but it is, it is really not part of the larger conversation, even Mm -hmm. in terms of like the people I respect most on the nutrition side, you know, it's still always like what seems to really move the needle in those conversations are like these endless conversations about like, 
macros and micros and calories in versus calories out. And not to, all that stuff is really hey, yeah, important. Don't forget about insulin. They love yeah, but look, <laughs> I'm not like all that stuff, especially if you're trying to lose weight, all of that stuff is critically important. But yeah. the idea of like how you eat and how you respond to food and the effects that has on your mental health. And by the way, your mental health is re- like, if you're going to just my own bias here, like if you're going to attempt to even really try to stay consistent with macros and micros and all that stuff you need to be in a pretty decently healthy mental health space because it's very challenging oh my Um, gosh great point (laughs) yeah you know like it's just i she should be on once a week i think because that message (laughs) really like needs to get out into the larger conversation of of nutrition all right well you heard it from the peanut gallery, folks. We're having her back. <laughs> Let's move on to number four, middle of the season here. We had a wonderful, one of my new friends and one of your confidants from a, for a while now, uh, Lee Zunis. Oh, that's right. Professional life coach uh, mm-hmm. who also has an interesting tool that's that right. we wanted to share with the larger audience, um, because, you know, helping people achieve change, like happens in many different ways. And mm-hmm. I just thought like, if, it would be really nice to talk about, you know, the very interesting qualities about what he does. Mm-hmm. And this was another really fun one for me. <laughs> the clip I have is about the default mode network. Let's get to that is that the default mode network is the part of the brain that is generally responsible for thinking about ourselves. So Mm -hmm. number thinking about ourselves, thinking about other people, and like thinking about the past and the future. Mm. And that in itself is not a problem, unless it's a problem (laughs) to the point where we experience obsession, obsessing, ruminating, procrastination, limiting beliefs, losing our temper, which I talked about, like becoming self-critical, experiencing addiction, Mm -hmm. and having thoughts and behaviors that are not serving us. Okay, that was a cool little clip because it shows like the significant tie to some of the issues of how we think and choose fitness. And of course, this other part of the conversation which is like lifestyle lifestyle improvement but life uh interpersonal improvements you know and i think gosh there's just so much in there so much to talk about uh i think exercise you know we mentioned it for maybe two minutes in this this episode However, any bit of like this, like calm, collective thinking and interpersonal relationship we can have with ourselves, it that can come with working with someone like Lee and, or a life coach and microdosing. Oh, they're Bowie. <laughs> it can certainly benefit our health and fitness, right? And obviously, Bowie agrees. Mm-hmm. So, I know what 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 can what do you got for us, Gigi? Well, yeah. So Lee is, you know, been my best friend for a long time. And basically my unpaid personal life coach. 
And uh, <laughs> so he's near and dear to my heart as as is the default mode network. So the default mode network. Perfect. Yeah. It's <laughs> like what he said. It's a region. It's a collection of regions in the brain that and mass kind of do help you have a sense of yourself. And so what's interesting is that that's what he's doing as a as a microdosing coach, which is people typically take psilocybin and they microdose it. So the psilocybin seems to be affecting most directly these areas of the default mode network, which is again, a bunch of different brain regions. Now, the really interesting thing about that is that anyone that's had anything over than a microdose, anything even close to a macrodose knows that a psychedelic experience is pretty weird. Like mm -hmm. you can sort of, you know, see all sorts of crazy visual stuff. Maybe it feels like you're tasting colors because what can happen is that you're distorting your turning the lights on full blast in certain parts of the brain that are typically not on full blast together in a normal conscious experience. And you're really turning down things that might be turned up in a normal everyday conversation like we're having now. So mm. what creates, and in the very beginning of this podcast, I said, active as this word of somewhere between passive and active, which is what I consider to be something like microdosing or even macrodosing. So you're you're taking something. It's not like you're going to the gym and you're, you know, doing 10 sets of heavy squats. You're taking something and you're kind of allowing the substance to just do what it does. And someone, I can't remember the person's name, but they had a really great analogy of why the psychedelic experience is so um impactful. And he was comparing it to when like you uh you're a blacksmith so when you heat the metal like that moment of heating the metal is like it gets things really hot and then you pull the sword out and that's when you shape it so the psychedelics are turning the bot they're making things in the brain and this is a metaphor obviously i don't mean actual thermodynamics exactly but they're making these areas hot in the brain and at the moment the psychedelic experience is you're not necessarily supposed to make a lot of logical connections between what's happening in the real acute psychedelic experience. It's afterwards, after you've created all this heat there, just like you, when you're creating a sword, you pull it out of the fire, then you start to bend it and shape it to your will, to how you want it to look. And so after you go through something like a psychedelic experience, it kind of, over time, it can shape these receptors if you balance it with what he's doing, which is coaching, integration some version of therapy could be meditation coaching psychology whatever it is but the the psychedelics allow you to begin to start to shape the form of that default mode network into a hopefully better functioning network if you're having problems wow that's an important thing to bring forward there were multiple things in there and I like that you, you know, kind of pointed out, you're like, that's my favorite thing, the default mode network. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of times and asked a lot of questions about the default mode network. All right. Well, then, yeah, that's like a, a, a wonderful thing to offer because, I don't know, some people, you know, they don't think too hard about their, like, automatic, like, in, like, thoughts and reactions and 
where that's stored and where yeah. it belongs. Yeah. You know, people don't think about that. So, and again, let's just say I keep like kind of harping on this, but let's say you're just someone that you're in a space where you don't want to really think about that stuff for whatever reason, like something like a, again, whether it's mushrooms, whether it's something else, something where you're in between a passive, you're not ready to take a full on active step towards you. You can recognize some of your behaviors that you don't like, but you're not ready for whatever reason to take a fully active step towards changing them. Something that's in the middle that is pactive, <laughs> uh, I think is a great thing to do. Yeah. So, and I think that's also like that's great tie in with pactive, like a, a really good way to frame, like when they look at the list of these episodes and why the heck I would be talking about that's this. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that is the perfect way to frame it. So, thank you. Yeah. If you listen to this on your Christmas break, if you're trying to make some changes, <laughs> if you can't pull one thing out of here, then shame <laughs> on you, quite frankly. <laughs> What if I told you the biggest thing standing in the way of peak performance is potentially something as simple as changing how you breathe? We at Think Fit Be Fit rely on science for new ways to optimize performance. That's why we've partnered with NeuroPeak Pro and their new product, the Intel Belt. NeuroPeak has developed the next generation of wearable tech. This belt is a real-time training device designed to teach users how to breathe properly in order to strengthen their resilience to stress, recover quickly, and effectively execute the task in front of them. If you're ready to begin unleashing the true power of breath, download the free NeuroPeak Pro app to experience their precision breath training or dive deeper into the science of breath training by visiting thinkfitbefitpodcast.com slash NPP. Your best training is a breath away. All right, let's move on to number five. I brought my dentist on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dr. Sherry Sarlatash, mostly just Dr. Sherry. And she has been my dentist for at least five years. I've watched her evolve so much. And she recently became a naturopathic physician as well. So, and I think when we think about self-care, one thing that's really interesting is that we don't, we think of the mouth as like separate from the rest of our body. (laughs) When in fact, it's like one of the most important pieces of our yeah, staying alive mechanisms. Yeah, let's just get right to the clip. I picked out one on just like that big picture about like what it means to have, you know, a full picture of the body with dental health in mind. So the neuromuscular aspect that is very important that you touched on, uh, because if our muscles are not functioning right, then we'll be just bones and we'll fall apart. So mm-hmm. our muscles are really holding us upright together. And posture, airway, uh, muscle functions are very important. So uh, things that we look at is uh, tongue posture, tongue size, overall muscle balance in the head and neck area. Also, we look at the back of the airway, which one of the things we use in chair side first visit we see our patient is this tongue assessment where mm-hmm. we analyze if you're able to see the uh, uvula, which is the little piece that hangs down 
in the back. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're able to see it or not, that if not, that would be an indication that there could be potential problems. So, uh, and in that case, we need to look deeper into the situation and see if uh, we can help the patient because there are some structural questions that come up with that type of positioning. All right, I love a good anatomy chat. Her and I have a lot to talk about usually because she's also, she's been a, a client on and off for years and we both enjoy muscles and chatting about, you know, anatomy, let's just call it that. Um, <laughs> what were your notes, Gigi? I got to say in full transparency, <laughs> this was the one I initially looked forward to the least to be okay. honest. <laughs> Because, again, nothing against dentists, but uh, a couple of our other colleagues over the years have talked to dentists. And look, first of all, your first point before we even got into it, where like, for some reason, even like educated, body aware people, and I would add one caveat to what you said, like seem to think the mouth is a separate entity and will like walk around like missing teeth. And like not doing anything about it and their feet. Like sometimes I see like very, you know, uh, healthy, well put together people then, you know, we're doing some stuff on their feet and they're, you know, they're, they're just not taking care. They're not grooming and taking care of their foot health and their mat. Like they, in that, this episode, she's, she spoke about like, you know, you don't want to leave any like open wounds in your body, if you're just missing teeth and you're not yeah. doing anything about it, you know, you've got an active, some level of an open wound there. So, um, but I, this episode, I'm not even being hyperbolic here. It blew my mind. Like, <laughs> so crazy. I am somehow going to have to figure out how to drive to <laughs> DC now to see her as my dentist, because she's simply, I've never heard someone think about dentistry in the way she does. And I, there's just so many different just literally just everything she spoke about was interesting mm -hmm. to me because i've just i've never heard a dentist i've never had a dentist come close to talking about any of this stuff with me the only thing i wanted to bring up just for a quick hit on the notes part was that she so it's something i see in my clinic all the time that people have decreased lordosis meaning like in your cervical spine there should be a curve and it's pretty common for as you age to lose some of that curve mm -hmm. and you know she just she just made a point of saying look it's really muscles that move bones and in her all the scans that she does she said she's seen that the bone positions can change so that's mm -hmm. above and beyond my and your pay grade yet we don't do like x-rays mm -hmm. and those type of scans so in my clinic i'm not focused on like i don't i'm not focused on trying to get the bone to move i don't know if it will or won't but the fact that it's possible from someone who does this for a living and mm -hmm. and does look at these scans and is saying that in collaboration you know with you and people she works with that she sees when you get the muscles better it can actually improve the the bone position so that's really um yeah that's that's awesome you know like i i thought it would be possible but you know i don't work with any dentists that have ever measured that and have told me hey yeah this is really we're seeing a change and so that was just awesome to hear and really heartening yeah we um yeah we've collaborated on different cases of that 
she has a CT scan right in her office. And she's not, you know, that is a considerable amount of radiation, but she's not afraid to use it. (laughs) And that's the cool thing about her uh, is that when you do some of your intakes with her, if there's bone health concerns, she does a CT scan and she looks at the sinuses. She looks at the, the jaw. The thought, like the thyroid positioning will also give you information about airway and sleep. And one of the reasons she started it down this path of holistic whole mouth dentistry was that her dad had a CPAP machine and she was really upset that they were putting plastic in his mouth to help him breathe. And, um, that, you know, and it was it was like one of those things. It's, it was hard to watch her dad go downhill from something that she was learning that was changeable through airway mm-hmm. orthodontics, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a it's so the other thing that's really interesting is that when you do a uh, comprehensive intake with her, you are also getting your nitric oxide levels tested, your lipids tested, your HRV um, so she talks about healing from dental procedures on a really holistic way. And like, that's interesting too, because I, I've, she's done surgeries and stuff on me and she does talk about the healing of the whole mouth and measures it and really wants to help her patients heal, not just like put it, put something in mm-hmm. like a orthodontic or like um stitches or mm-hmm. um implants like she really focuses on the other parts of that yeah and we didn't even get a chance to talk about tmj and how common like at least in my clinic tmj uh, it really is common yeah it's very common it's unfortunately one of the areas i've had less direct success with without getting down a rabbit hole mm. it's very mm-hmm. hard to test muscles in the jaw you can certainly do some manual therapy or you know there's there's interventions you can do but in order to like test muscle strength of muscles in the jaw it's the, you know it's not there aren't easy joints there to move in and test. So she, I've got someone right in mind. I'm going to refer to her on Monday. I'm going to mm. say, look, it's worth it for you to go up to DC. I honestly, anyone that was like me, that was like, ah, okay. Like, I'm just, you know, I don't know how much, like, I'm really that interested in dentistry. Take <laughs> my word for it. <laughs> Give her a shot. Cause I, I, I promise you're not going to walk out the same oh. Yes, another Dr. Sherry fan. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> Moving on to number six, another person in my uh, pretty close network of physicians and therapists. We talked to Jen Ushold, who's a nationally board certified health and wellness coach and a physical therapist. You've heard her uh, multiple times on the podcast uh, for the pain science the colleague and educator and expert that she is. Uh, this time we talked about something different. We talked about just transitions of life and that she's been creating this program, coaching program for those going through divorce mediations and stuff like that and having good positive health outcomes with a huge transition like that. So this clip is about finding the tools that would work for 
anyone in a difficult life transition? For me, it is fun. And I embrace the weirdness, the uncomfortableness, but I just know that that is a very unique quality about me and that I am so curious and I love different you know, types of body work and different types of you name it. Um, I like it. Or I'd like to try it. I'd like to dip my toe in and like try it twice. So really part of the reason I'm doing this podcast is to like spread that enthusiasm for like physical health and physical embodiment of health. And so anyways, what's your answer? Can self-care be fun? The long answer, please. The long <laughs> answer. <laughs> So I'm going to come, I'm going to very quickly come right back to your biopsychosocial framework. And if we look at people who do not like exercise, there's usually a reason why. Mm. Were they shamed by their parents? Was it used as a punishment when they didn't put their backpack away? Um, Were they the last kid picked in kickball? So there's usually an explanation. And so for people who it is such a struggle to care for themselves There's something deeper that's going on. And whether it is self-care that you choose to drink too much alcohol or lacking self-care in not exercising, I think all of it really comes down to what has created, what are the circumstances that have created this disdain for you in whatever this topic is. And within that, that may be enough of a stepping stone to help motivate them. Okay, so I've got, this is one of those, uh, I've got more notes kind of thing uh, after the fact. And one of those is like really about what, me wanting to clarify enthusiasm for body care and discernment. It's like, I can have a sip of the Kool-Aid, but I always keep a level head about what I'm doing. Because mm-hmm. if I don't, the rabbit holes that I could go down with my attitude about my body and healing and what is possible and what is not possible, I think is a really good skill that I've honed and learned and learned how to trust myself. I don't think this is available for most of us that are have buying, purchasing power in health and wellness and self-care. So I wanted to say that first. What uh, what were your notes? <laughs> well, so that what you just said wasn't part of my notes, but it makes me think of something that, you know, there's a concept of an open mind, which I think is good, meaning like, you know, you're you're not completely dismissing. Some, my My version of that, at least, is that an open mind is that as someone is telling you something, you already haven't dismissed it halfway into their first sentence, that you're at least willing to hear them out. The truth is, though, that and now um, I'm actually back in neuroanatomy class. And, you know, each week we go through these different regions of the brain. The mind isn't really open. So the idea that our <laughs> mind, the, the, the brain, let, let me clarify, the mind is sort of our conscious part of it. But the, the hardware, the wetware, the brain is very gated by something called the blood brain barrier. And it's very, it lets things in and things can also sort of like collaborate with other things to work their way in. But it's, there's something called the blood brain barrier. And to, when I hear you say discernment, 
that's what that means to me that like, look, be open here, everyone out. I'm open to, uh, and I've gotten better over the years of hearing anyone's theories about anything, honestly, but particularly when it comes to, you know, the shared field of health. So hear them out, but you can be, it's okay, in my opinion, to be discerning. So just like the blood brain barrier only allows certain things in, I'll hear anything, but I'll only allow certain things in that on some level make sense to me. And from there, I'll, I'll, you know, see what I make of it. So that's part one. Part two is that there's so you guys went through a lot and Jen is obviously working on programs and particularly for women or people that have been going through divorce. Um, and so what I wanted to mention though at the end is that by the way, I also know Jen and for anyone that's listened this far to the podcast, if you like it this far, Jen and I are planning on doing a paid sign specific podcast in the very near future. But when you communicate with Jen via email, she's one of those people that has an alphabet behind her name. She's got a million different certifications and she could easily write a program where she is has a ton of expertise and can be very restrictive in terms of yeah. let me tell you something i know all this stuff here's how you should go about it but instead what she says and i wish i had the timestamp, but it, it's somewhere closer to the end mm-hmm. where she said um you know her view on getting healthy and getting fit is imagine you're standing on a beach a rocky beach and there's just you have to get to the other side and there's just a million different paths you can go in the middle you can go to the side you can start at the side and then cut across you can go backward you can there's a million different ways of getting there and that's how i think and i think that's just a great message and honestly it goes all the way back to our first guest which is do something where you can teach people to fall in love with movement early that's because what she's saying is that, yeah, that's the same issue that some people just hate to exercise, hate to move. Just find a way to connect with people, particularly when they're younger, to find a way to fall in love with movement. And then instead of, you know, there are times you have to be more specific, but generally speaking, take that rocky beach approach. Just there's a million different ways to get there. Find one, find one and fail and try another one. Find so I love that analogy. I'm going to steal it. Um, <laughs> starting next week. Starting and next week. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, uh, yeah. Jen uh-huh. is, uh, someone that, um, I know we, we share a lot of the same, um, perspectives on health and wellness. Yeah. And part one of what you said, this is why I consider you a wonderful friend. And, uh, I, and, and like, I could not replace you know, you and your perspective. It's because of what you said, uh, part one of that response. So obviously appreciated perspective there on that. And like, yeah, and like, I think I, I also included this clip because she refers directly to the recognition of, you know, biopsychosocial motivation and self-care and we've harped on it a few times it just doesn't have to be perfect guys and you know i want someone to come back after five years and let me know that the the treatments and the stuff that we did together in the studio helped them go down a rabbit hole of physical achievements and some failures you know and that they had fun doing it and but that that would you know and that it started from a place of like wow i'm going to really enjoy this and 
I have a really good perspective about it and, you know, and it's healthy for me. So. Yeah. And, or not even that I'm going to, I'll try it. I'll give it a shot. Mm -hmm. I'll try it. I'll try it. Give it a shot. Uh, All right. So episode number seven uh, is our new friend, NUA sauce. I tried so hard and I got, I think, I think that's as close as I'm going to get it. Uh, We talked about seasonal self-care esoteric things and the definition of seasons in the first place and consistency, all kinds of cool stuff came up in this episode. The clip is, I think some of the most usable information from this podcast, but I encourage you obviously to still listen to it because it's, it was a fun one for me. For someone who's not like who knows five element qigong which is mm-hmm. which would be rare and there it would be obvious do the metal more which is lung and large intestine one way is lungs is obviously breath work maybe focusing mm. more on exercises on um, that in you know help diaphragm you know the whole yoga was really to help you release the lungs as much as possible mm. with all these asanas and stretching so you could breathe deeper and mm. utilize your lungs more right mm. yeah um, so another one would be whatever you're doing let's say you're doing a plank be able to hold that plank and deepen your breath mm. so the focus switches from the posture you already got it so do simpler ones but with more focus on the breath mm. and stretching also because that's also about letting go and mm. you know I, when i train I, I like to at at the end almost like as a you know thank you for the session uh, or thank myself for you know for exercising do this little visualization when you inhale fresh energy or fresh water and then exhale all that tensions and toxic emotions, mm. whatever doesn't, shouldn't be there in those tissues. Mm. Uh, but it, if somebody does do Qigong or wants to learn Qigong, five element is great because you can separate with the seasons, increase the one you would do now and also for the next season. Okay. Are you ready for the next season? <laughs> uh, well, I guess. Uh... <laughs> uh not I, I didn't prepare that way but yeah um, well it's it's here nonetheless so yeah <laughs> i guess i must be so i thought this uh clip opened up some big potential discussions on emotions and like beliefs about pain uh i also think this clip is an interesting thing because she talks about exercise variation in a totally different way than we normally discuss it. So two two reasons I like that clip. Mm-hmm. And yes. I have several reasons why I enjoyed that episode. And if I had to go back and like do it again, I don't know if I would change much except like talk about more about, um, no, you know what? I'm good. Yeah, I felt good about that one. Yeah. So I'm actually getting treated by Enenseyuas. And she is very, so she takes, again, speaking of biopsychosocial, she really takes the, so she's an acupuncturist. And so, you know, based on what I was telling her where I'm having issues, 
you know, she did her assessment and, and definitely gave me an acupuncture treatment, but she spends a lot of time on the psychology side of it for sure. And if you've ever been into her space in Manhattan, which is magnificent, um, you can see that she really understands the, how an environment can really affect the efficacy of a treatment. So anyone near New York City or if you want to take a drive out to see her, I highly recommend it. But she said something earlier um, in the episode where you were asking her actually like what she does for like for changing seasons or like some big, whether it's an equinox or something. And she mentioned that she likes to do like group events. And I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like that a group i'm not when it comes to day-to-day working out in the gym you know i've got things based on the goals i have i've got things that i need to do and like i a group fitness class may or may not you know check all those boxes that i need but in terms of growth in terms of like trying to make change again like using this analogy of like heating up steel and then bending it i found that like doing something in a group while at the time might be uncomfortable, maybe like, I wish we were doing this instead of that or whatever, but like, it does the same kind of thing where it fires up a bunch of these parts of my conscious and subconscious mind. And then after I leave is when I try to like smooth them out into the direction I want things to go in. But I really like the idea of what she was saying is that like for any, even if you just make it like a seasonal thing, like once a season, you do something with a group, whether it's a group fitness class, it's a group meditation, it's a group microdose, whatever, whatever it is that, but you do, if you're someone that is typically prone to like trying to do all of your problem solving by yourself or yourself in like maybe a therapist or something, I think introducing yourself and putting yourself in the group setting um, is really powerful. And it's something that I'm going to take forward to make sure because I would easily sort of like cross it off my schedule. But after hearing her talk about it, I see the value in it. It's it, moving forward. It's something I'm going to make sure I do at like, at least on a seasonal basis to have one sort of group event like that to, uh, to, but uh, yeah, prepare for the upcoming season slash quarter. Yeah. I, it's, uh, it is powerful. And so, Thank you for getting a little vulnerable there. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the group, the group thing, like I'm going to plug one of our other shows. Meredith and I touched on um, group exercise and why it's, it is ingrained in our, you know, system from like the cultural point of view, but also from like, from the, why it's so beneficial. Help. And there's a book that explores it. And we mentioned it. It's called The Joy of Movement by Kelly McDonagall. And it's, yeah, it's incredible to think about it from why it's so health beneficial, why it's so beneficial for our health, because, you know, we we do work in packs, you know, and we do work for social rewards mm-hmm. and social uh placements and titles Mm -hmm. subconsciously Mm -hmm. and yeah and exercise it you know it it there there's something to it and then what the self-care the stuff that is weird and uncomfortable at first with groups 
there's something to it, you know, and, and leaning into the discomfort and why yeah. it feels weird is, is there's something to that? Yeah. It's probably the reason why the cold plunges have been such an important part of my self-care for so long. And I know you guys have heard me talk about it a million times, which is why it's not in the self-care episode. <laughs> <laughs> or if you follow me on Instagram, you're like, man, that girl likes cold feet. Uh, you know, you're like, it's, it's just a part of my life, but there's a group element to it and social con construct to it that makes it pretty, um, I'd say, have more of an impact on my health than just jumping into a tub. Yeah, I can totally see. Yeah, I mean, solving a really, solving a challenge on your own, of course, is good, but like uh, facing a challenge with a group of other people, even though they can't necessarily help you. But just that there's that common bond that you're all going through a shared, really difficult experience. I think, yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, not to minimize it, but guys that have been in, in combat together and things like, you know, you make bonds for that carry on through lifetimes. So something really powerful about sharing a, a difficult experience with a group of other people deep within the, the human, the human psyche. Um, I'm having a dog psyche moment. Here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, he's been good. We've been chatting for a while. Yeah, we, so. We've been chatting for a while. We still have one more episode to get to. And that is our, uh, I, I think it's like a good finale for the yeah. season, which is it's sleep, self-care and sleep. And the whole point of the discussion, um, was to be more well-rounded and not incite fear into our listeners about having to be perfect with their sleep. She speaks about um, that four hours of sleep can be enough you know, for your physiological just function, but not really enough to like go and sort of clear out the cobwebs in your mind and for your emotional health. And, and I also really enjoyed getting to know Linda. Uh, she was just like so down to earth for being someone that is just pretty, uh, let's say, with a lot of in-depth experience with mm -hmm. such a cool topic. It was hard not to be like a fangirl too much because <laughs> of the work that she's done. But that was she was just like so open in general. I really enjoyed getting to know her. And I also liked uh, asking Nick about working with uh, some of his professional athletes and mm -hmm. HRV and training. If if I would have done more on this episode, it would have definitely been more about like sleep data and digging into that a little bit more. But I was pretty excited while I was, uh, you know, in the moment with them <laughs> and also just excited to continue to unpack what it means to have control over uh, your body's, you know, stress response. Cause that's what it was kind of a continuation of that whole conversation yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one thing I found really interesting was we, you know, it sleep is having its moment in terms of like, uh, you know, what people seem to be interested in, in terms of health. And, you know, I, I can't scroll two screens on Instagram without having some advertisement about sleep. Um, and I'm someone that has suffered with insomnia, you know, for most of their adult life. So 
It's a sensitive topic to me. And so one of the things I really appreciated about this podcast was talking about, um, you know, the hard thing is, so when you have insomnia and you go through the round of doctors like I have, it's kind of, it feels like if you, like when someone's freaking out and then you say, calm down, like how well does that work? If someone's freaking out and you yell, calm down to that person, raise your hand if that's ever worked ever in the history of the world. Like when someone's freaking out and you scream to them to calm down, they would if they could, they can't. They're highly upset, aroused about something like they can't, they're, you, you know, they're overwhelmed. And so with sleep, you know, I would pay, I couldn't, I, I can't even tell you the amount of money I would pay to go to specialists. And they'd be like, all right, so just make sure at 10 o'clock, you know, like you imagine water floating down a stream and like, it's so fucking frustrating, pardon my French, that like the problem is you have so much anxiety about sleep. Um, and it's not like you can just go like, I would much rather someone say to me, all right, I need you to run on this treadmill at 23 miles an hour for a minute versus just sleep. You know, I can't like you can't try to sleep harder. That's the problem. You have to try to find ways to relax. And so anyone that like me is struggling with insomnia, um, if you listen to this episode and they talk about the heart rate, vari the one thing that you can control is your heart rate variability training through breathing. And it's something I don't do nearly enough. And again, re-listening to this episode, like I just started again yesterday, because it's the thing that you can control. And at least there's something you can do to put like, you know, your hand in the ground to have to, to take some feeling of control over it versus just a cabinet of pharmaceuticals like I had at one point. And so you can work on your breathing and they have the data. This isn't their opinion. This isn't something like, you know, they read about last week on in Shape Magazine. You know, they, as you mentioned, she's got, she's been doing this over 20 years and NeuroPeak as a team has a lot of experience and data at looking at heart rate variability training and how that affects you in the very short term while you're doing it, calming you down. Then if you do it, um, over, you know, a consistent period of time, how that can actually help you fall asleep easier and get better sleep. So to me, again, it, it's, um, it's something I'm really sensitive about and it's like the heart rate variability training to me isn't fun and or comfortable, but it's effective and it works when I do it. And I have to be reminded and kind of coax consistently to keep it up. And so I'm glad we did this because now I'm going to start again and hopefully I can maintain it. Well, uh, another, you know, vulnerability badge for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an open book, Jen. I'm open. I like the, um, you know, an audible where you get badges. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I turn to that page way more than I should. Like, it See, it really does work for me. I um, used to play football as a kid. And yeah. if you did something good in the game, you got a sticker on your helmet. And oh, my God, man. Like, I would, I'd ran my head into, like, a cement wall. But just, I'd get another sticker. On oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, that's saying something, I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> probably says a lot about it. Yeah. There's a couple things in there that um, were very encouraging as feedback from you, from and it also confirmed that I did achieve the goal that we had in mind for this episode, which was 
to just really be a voice of reason here um, because it's so unproductive to tell people to calm down while they're freaking out. Exactly. <laughs> Get harder sleep, bro. Like yeah. sleep hard, my man. Like that's yeah. like the word, you know, it just doesn't work. The The advice of take care of yourself when you're at your edge <laughs> of, yeah. of holding it together is not helpful. That's why we had to give you over eight hours of content to make a well-rounded <laughs> conversation about this topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, a true story is sitting in a very expensive Madison Avenue psychologist's office. And she gave me a sheet that said, yeah, imagine water floating down a stream. And I just put it down and I was like, <laughs> are you serious? Like, do you have any idea what I'm dealing with here? And so, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are the type of things that you get exposed to uh, when you have issues with sleep. And I think any of us would really benefit and just be so thankful for something that you can do actively. Because the problem is with sleep, it's really got to be passively that like you put yourself in this state where like passively you can just you can't try to fall asleep hard. So by doing something, but you can take something actively, which is work on the HRV and over time, that will help the passive side, which is an interesting and effective way to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> yeah. The one thing like Linda towards the end, like she teased me, she goes, Oh, we didn't talk about all the tricks and like techniques. And I'm like, Oh, there's nothing more I want to do right now than talk about the weird stuff. I've talked myself into doing over the years to fall asleep and get good sleep. Well, so there's I, always I, next season. <laughs> okay. So you guys let us know if you want more weird stuff, Yeah, more conversations about the gut, or any of these topics, I'm happy to dive in. I'm happy to learn more, try different stuff, be a taste tester, if you will, for the larger uh, audience. I think that, you know, I'd be down for that. And I'd also be down for more balancing acts in this um, crazy entrepreneurial life that I've chosen and that I love. And that, you know, I choose this podcast every season and i'm ready for 2023 and what's coming up for the new year so please don't forget to give us a shout uh as a holiday present please leave us a review that would be amazing and uh if you want to say hello or suggest a guest just hit us on email at hello at thinkfitbefitpodcast.com uh gg you got anything any parting words no, uh, just again, thanks everybody that's been listening and supporting as we're trying to take this little engine that could up to the next track, as it were. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope you enjoy. I hope you have questions and comments and thanks again for supporting. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Think Fit, Be Fit podcast network. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. If you're interested in further resources, check out or visit our website, thinkfitbefitpodcast.com.